Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. What makes a good work environment? Maybe for you, it's having an easy commute, good views from your desk, or maybe it's a really nicely stocked break area. <laughs> I know that would probably be mine. Obviously, your group of coworkers is a big part also of loving or hating where you work. But there's one other piece to this puzzle that is possibly the most important one, having a good boss. And that's kind of a broad statement. <laughs> what makes a good boss? What makes a bad boss? If you are a boss, how can you know where you even lie on that spectrum? Well, joining me today is someone who will help us decipher what a good, caring boss looks like and how, if you are a boss, you can take on the role of leading your team from the heart. Kelly Thurman is an astute strategist with remarkable insight and clarity about what it takes to be successful. She has led strategy development initiatives in several companies and has a demonstrated track record in the successful development and implementation of key business strategies in a variety of industries. She is a highly engaging speaker and facilitator that helps individuals link learning and new ideas with real-world application. Her business acumen and ability to synthesize practical experience with a fresh outlook make it for a rewarding and challenging exchange. And Kelly is also the board chair for Forward and has been incredibly instrumental in guiding the growth of Forward over the past few years. So like I said, not anybody I can think of that would be better to talk about this than Kelly. <laughs> so Kelly, thank you so much for being here today. It's my pleasure. Now, I mentioned earlier, leading from the heart. What does that phrase mean to you? Well, it's a big statement, and I hope it's the embodiment of my own leadership. We all lead from our head, our heart, and our hands. And leading is setting a vision that can be broken down into goals and tasks. And we complete those through what I call a complete act. And a complete act includes the physical act, the psychological act, and the mental act. The mental act is the thought processes. It's the how-to steps to completing an act. It's, and the physical act is done by the hands, or if you're typing, or if you're speaking, it's speaking the words. And the psychological act is the emotional impact of the act on people. And that's really where the heart matters the most. The psychological act reveals a person's motives and intent. Most people want to be known by our intention, but we're really judged by our actions. So how we make others feel is a critical component of leadership. And the psychological well-being of stakeholders should really be a key priority because when people are healthy, then they'll produce good fruit. If people aren't healthy, they won't produce good fruit. And if they feel a psychological misstep or lack of alignment, that means that they're probably not in an optimal, healthy environment to be able to do their best production. And that's why it's so critical. And, and part of the underlying part of this, Jordan, is really emotional intelligence. And that mm -hmm. first starts with the intent. And then the other part of the emotional intelligence is keen observation of the impact of what you say, how you carry yourself, the words you speak, and the impact that has on others. So one of the key skills of emotional intelligence is knowing how to engage people where they want to give their best. And it's not a universal one-size-fits-all standard. And that's where the heart really gets involved because you have to have the intent to want to study what different people respond to and, and what they like and what they prefer and whether or not that's something that fits your organization. So, for example, some people require a lot of affirmation. They need to constantly have 
um, affirmative feedback about how they're doing and how they're progressing. Others want to be aimed and point and let go. Others want to be close to leaders and almost feel micromanaged, whereas others resist and buck at that. And the key is to look at the individual and see how are they best responding and how are they best producing. Uh, another area that I see is different is that some people really love stretch goals. They want a big, grandiose goal to pursue, and others get defeated if it's too big, and they shrink away coming up with all the reasons why they think it can't be done. And so hopefully you can see that there's a lot of complexity in this leading from the heart because leadership requires a deft attention to the impact on people. And that means you have to be so confident in yourself that you're not so worried about you or what you're saying, but how what you're saying is impacting others. And you have to do all that while still taking a stand and not losing your own identity um, and holding a standard, but you still have to be able to accommodate all the rest of those on the journey to be able to get there. So navigating preferences and styles is key to casting a large leadership mantle and your ability to pulse in and pulse out of different ways of leading is really one of the key indicators to me of a mature leader. And some people do it well, and others, honestly, aren't that great at it. Um, another thing I'll say about leading from the heart, it really means that leading from the heart means that you prioritize people over profit. Mm -hmm. So as a leader, when I'm developing my execs, one of the key things that I'll ask them is, well, what's the priority of the work that we're going to be doing here? And for me, when you, I know I'm dealing with a leader who leads from the heart, they'll always put people above profits because great leaders know that nothing um, gets done until the people do it. And so if you have good people and you let them do good work, that's really where you're going to optimize your profits. But this means every business decision should really go through that filter of how is what I'm deciding gonna, today going to impact people? And it's hard in publicly traded companies where there's almost, you know, a fierce intention on the bottom line. Yet what I also found is if you look at the best companies to work for, those that prioritize people, on average, the majority of those outperform those on the fiscal bottom line as well as on their employee satisfaction bottom line. So I think mm -hmm. that they can be, you know, coupled together and that when people understand that, you'll start to see a changed behavior or at least willingness to make the effort to lead from the heart instead of just leading from the P&L statement. Now, I mean, impact seems like a huge part of obviously leadership, but being a caring leader. And I think it's interesting to think about, and I'd love your thoughts on, you know, if you're a caring leader and you are leading from the heart, obviously you're going to have an impact on your team directly, but what could potentially be your impact on just the whole company culture? Right. I think all of us is in, are influencing one another all the time by mm -hmm. our commission as well as by our omission. And when we see a leader come and be able to neutralize maybe some intense dialogue that's going on with someone, they have the skill to be able to give enough dignity to both sides of the equation to stabilize the environment, to call out what's most important in the task and to protect the people through it. And then they're able to get back into the saddle and work again. There's other leaders that will rush into the center of it. It can boil over and that spills out onto other people and creates a more toxic workplace, right? Both of them took action. But when you consider that complete act that I said, the physical act, the mental act, and the psychological act, 
one leader pays a little bit more attention to the impact on people and the way that they approach it then um, changes the intensity or changes their approach or considers all three aspects of the act and not just one trying to get it resolved. What are some characteristics of a leader who is operating from a truly caring place? Mm-hmm. One, I think they have to be great listeners. Mm-hmm. And it's not all about you. It's really about what other people are saying. And people speak sometimes with words and sometimes with body language, which that's where it gets coupled with the observation skills, is really being able to observe what's going on. Um, and a super great leader is going to also anticipate what's coming and how that will also impact people and how to be able to introduce new elements, new people, new team members, new thoughts, new approaches or processes in a way that really considers that complete act going forward. If you work for a leader who, let's say, is less than caring, (laughs) is it professionally correct to try to instill a more caring culture within your office to kind of counterbalance the lack of positive influence that your boss might be having? You know, each of us wakes up with a choice about how we're going right. to rush into the day. And I personally choose to see that, man, God's given me another day that I have an assignment. I have opportunity. I'm going to be able to make a difference, bring my gifts, talents, and abilities and make a difference. And so to me, it is a choice. And I think the better choice is certainly to bring a good attitude, uh, to create happiness, to be joy filled, to be expectant of good and let that rub off on the people that I'm around. And as I do that, it can have a ripple effect on others. In fact, I challenge you, Jordan, walk down a hall sometime and smile at someone you don't even know, and you'll get a reaction from them. And usually it's some kind of a smile that's in return. And it's a choice. You could go cold stone face, pass them, make no interaction or connection and be on your way. In fact, this is becoming such a huge issue. You've seen the physical locations of offices be an open concept. Mm -hmm. And part of it is it forces the interactions and the connections. Even at Apple's headquarters, they've intentionally gated and thwarted um, ingress and egress to intentionally make what they call collisions and connections. And those are opportunities to influence one another. And it's really a choice that you have because you're a brand, you're a walking brand. And every time that you connect with someone, it's an opportunity to be able to influence them for good, for neutral, or, or for something negative. And so for me, I want that to be a positive exchange where they feel better for having been connected that, um, they feel inspired in many ways, or they feel enabled to do more than what they could have before, or that they'll have someone on the journey. Um, the concept of never leave your wingman, that when somebody's going through something difficult, that you'll be willing to walk with them through it and be empathetic. You may not have personally experienced it, but you can empathize with the key relationship or the key emotion that they're feeling at the time. In fact, there's 306 different emotion states and being able to identify them and know how to appropriately respond based on the personality type of that individual that you have to have only known because you've observed it will tell me whether I need to deal with an analytical and bring a bunch of facts and data, or if it's a socializer that I need to make them feel like they're part of something big and that their presence and participation is highly valued or the relator who wants to understand 
the perspectives of everyone in the room or the director who is all just about results. And I might be a little bit more direct, but that took effort on my part to learn their preferences and styles and then be able to willing to adjust mine to accommodate them. In fact, one of the things that drives me crazy, Jordan, is leaders that are lazy and say, that's just the way I am. You're going to have to get used to it. Mm-hmm. Basically, what they're saying is unapologetically, I matter more than you. This is what it is. So accommodate me. And mm-hmm. that creates kind of a prickly emotion rather than one that's um, inclusive. And it can shut down dialogue more than it can open it up. Because probably the two most important pieces of equipment in an office are two chairs facing one another where people are sitting down and having a dialogue. And that's <laughs> where, you know, the relationships really begin and ideas um, are spawned and then fertilized and edited and something great can be created. Now, some of us, <laughs> we may, in, in a, being in a leadership position, we might have just done something for so long and that's just the way we do it, kind of like what you said. But if someone were interested, I guess, in really gauging how caring of a leader they are being, um, and if their leadership style is conducive to making everyone feel like they belong, um, what are some, I guess, clues that they could be looking for within their workplace of whether they are being a caring leader or maybe they have a little bit of work to do? Sure. Well, I'll I'll share one with what I refer to as the five great components of a culture. Hmm. And the first one is physical and psychological safety. So as a senior leader, you might be responsible for requiring the location of a corporate office. Is it in a seedy part of town or a good part of town? Is there good lighting as people are coming and going to and from? Um, Do they have policies regarding... um, you know, what's acceptable behavior and not acceptable behavior that impacts the physical. And then the psychological safety is actually one that is where the messiness usually occurs, where somebody steps on someone's toes. Somebody takes more territory or responsibility than was duly delegated to them. Somebody um, steps on boundaries and gets out of line. And so the first part of a winning culture is really to have the physical and psychological safety. And that says that that leader has been attentive enough and they've taken care to those details to set the environment up for success. The second one is something that you shared just a minute ago, which is um, making people feel like they belong. So the second part of a winning culture is clearly sending the message you belong. And this involves actions like branding employees with a mug or a t-shirt or a pen that says, hey, here, you're one of us now. Almost like a new athlete trading teams gets a new jersey. It says, now you're one of us. You're one of these. Um, The other part of signaling belonging is carefully chosen language, such as words that we're so excited to have you on the team or your background is perfect for what we're doing here. You extend invitations and let them know that they're wanted and that they're valued. You solicit their input and feedback that says what you think matters and you belong in this decision-making process. And all of these things enhance ownership and connection. Um, Being assigned a mentor who includes you in their work, they're signaling your inclusion that you belong. And when people feel like they belong, they feel good. When they feel like they're on the outside looking in. They feel like I've been marginalized or, hey, what am I, chopped liver? You're not asking me my opinion. 
those are all the negative emotions that you can create and signal, maybe you don't belong. Maybe you're not good enough. And what I've learned after all these years, Jordan, is at the root, a lot of people are very insecure. And that insecurity, it might have been an oversight or we just needed the top line input and not everybody's. But if people are not careful, the vain imaginations and the takes that people tell themselves can destroy it. So a caring leader will reinforce their sense of belonging of their team and the, the validation of who they are. And then the third most important part of a winning culture is letting employees know that you uniquely matter and have a future here. So I'll pick on you for us, Jordan. The contributions that you make in all of our communications, whether it's digital, in print, editing, reading, these podcasts, they really matter to our vision and what we're doing. And we need this not only now, but many years in the future. In fact, we think it's going to become a bigger part of who we are. And all of these words should be signaling it's you, Jordan, and your unique communication skills that signal to us that you have a future here and you're part of this team and we need you. Not just anybody, but we need Jordan on this team. And you do it by citing their specific work contributions and the value it plays in advancing the enterprise goals. So, for example, when you help us write the Be Refreshed book, um, these types of things are very valuable. There might be even more publications that we need your writing skills to be a part of what we have. So we, we cite the specifics that says, oh, she is caring more just about me and not just about anybody that does this, but knows that I really have a future here. Um, mm -hmm. you, you also signal it by saying, I'm going to make an investment in you. We need to send you to this social media um, influencer event because we think it's going to become such a big part of us. When somebody makes an investment in you personally, that signals that it's all about you. We want to entrust mm -hmm. you and your skill set going forward. And the other thing that happens is if you don't get invested in, then that's a little bit risky and it signals the opposite to it. And so you have to, as a leader, you might only have so many dollars to resource. So instead of letting the vain imaginations, if someone doesn't get invested in, you might tell them, look, this is going to be the year of digital and content. And so we're going to invest in, we're going to send Jordan to this. And maybe next year, it might be the year of small groups and things like that. And we might send Susan to the thing. And so you have to manage the emotions that all the different stakeholders have by one single act. You start to see that there can be a ripple effect to what you say and do. And how do you inoculate the organization from having unhealthy thoughts that might occur by what you think is a good decision, but other people might see it and think it signals something different. So the third most important one is that signaling that you uniquely matter and have a future here. And mm -hmm. the fourth one is a shared sense of purpose about the cause, right? So when we share it, we're in it together, just like Top Gun, never leave your wingman. We're in mm -hmm. this together. We know the goal and the task. We're going to work side by side. We're going to go through trial and error. Uh, that's all part of just growing and being. And I call it, you either win or you learn. And if you don't win, that's okay. A caring person will point out why we didn't win, take those lessons and say, well, next time we do this, we're going to be even better because this is what we learned. And when you share that sense of purpose about the cause, about the why of your work, about why are we here? Who does it matter to? So what and who cares? But if we can talk for forward that it's the 
professional Christian woman following a vocational call in the marketplace, and we're called to inspire and equip and enable them to achieve their God-given destiny and understand that everything I do day in, day out advances that, that's going to be something that's going to deeply connect us. Mm -hmm. So that fourth part of culture is the shared sense of purpose about the cause. And then the final part of a great culture is that you're in it to win it, right? Everybody wants to be on a winning team. And it's a relentless journey to achieve the vision. Um, We want to make it fun. Uh, A great caring leader uses all the senses, all the skills that they have available to them. So are there traditions, things that we do that we celebrate that earmark and separate us from everybody else? Is there a favorite food that signals who we are? It's interesting. I just came across the statistic that not every state has a state dog, but there's (laughs) many who have a dog and like all the people kind of rally around that. So this, we're in it to win it and this brand and this identity about who our culture is and how we approach it, how we celebrate it, how we brand ourselves how we include um, others into it, how we um, attract them, vet them, invite them, engage them, equip them, embrace and excel them is all part of in it to win it. And Mm. I know, Jordan, that you're familiar with the golden rule, and it is a great rule. I personally prefer the platinum rule. And it takes a little bit more effort to get there. So the golden rule is to do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. But the platinum rule says do unto others as they want done unto them, which means I have to slow myself down and study them enough to know what it is that they actually want so that when Mm. I know what they want, I'm going to respond in that way. And, And I'll use a different example for this. Let's just say somebody smokes and I don't smoke. The golden rule says, well, I smoke in my car so I can smoke in my car with you there. The platinum rule is, well, I smoke, but maybe you don't smoke. And so I'm not going to do it if you're there, which by the way, I don't smoke, but I just want you to see the example in all of this, that preferring others in the platinum rule says, I'm going to do it the way that it's going to be good for you, not just the way that it's good for me, which Mm -hmm. requires a heightened level of caring and understanding, which is slowing it down before you do the complete act. And that includes the physical, the mental, and the psychological. And the psychological, without a doubt, is the most important. Yeah. Now, I'm sure in your career, you've probably, well, I hope, have worked for caring leaders. um, And I'm sure you've maybe also had some who are not as caring. Maybe they could use a little bit more heart. What were the biggest differences for you between those workplace experiences? I mean, it was night and day. You know, I have... Two amazing leaders, Cheryl Fanzel and Steve King, who poured into me and told me I could do anything, and I believed it, and man, we did a lot of great things. And then I've been in other environments where I've had a leader who has a bionic ego, always needed to be right. They were actually brilliant, but they really didn't have the ears to hear what other people were um, communicating or investing, sharing the other point of view. In fact, when somebody gives you criticism, it's you should thank them for it, right? They're giving you some feedback and insight about their opinion, and yet mm-hmm. other people get defensive. And they, they can even be threatening, telling you, well, if you don't do it my way, then I'm going to leave, or I'm going to make you leave if it's a boss that you know has that control over you. And this is toxic. And what I say, being a leader is you're in charge of the greenhouse. So 
you have to determine what kind of a greenhouse you run and what kind of plants will thrive there. Some require sunny, hot, humid. Some require dry, cool, shade. And you control that. And, and for me, it's the emotional thermostat of the environment that you want to create. And when mm-hmm. it's a healthy environment for you, then you're going to see that you're going to be able to flourish and produce and be a full bloom of flowers. The other ones feel choked out um, on the side, either drowning in water or they don't have enough water. And that's where you have to be in tune to each individual and seeing what's going on with them and saying, maybe I'll have half the greenhouse this way and half that way. Maybe we'll have a moderate climate and we're going to appeal to that zone. Um, or when a fox gets into the environment and it's tearing and ripping people apart emotionally, that you step in and you take those bullets and you call out what's not acceptable and you recalibrate and you give them the chance. But if they can't adjust, they have to be removed. And that's bold when you're working for a boss like that. However, you still have the opportunity to lead and step in on others' behalf if you see an injustice or someone being wrong. And mm-hmm. I think that's really saying, look, I care. You know, if you, if you see somebody that's in need, do you just walk by them or do you help them? I know that you're beautifully pregnant right now. And I, it drives me crazy if someone sees a mom walking through a door with a stroller. And it's just not an easy thing to navigate. Just hold right. the door open for them and care enough mm-hmm. about what they're going through, even if they're not pregnant. Hold the door. And it just right. says, look, I'm a caring individual. And etiquette is really politeness and preferring others over self and making choices that say, look, I want to make good choices when I'm around you because I care. Mm. What are some steps or tips, I guess, that you would give to someone looking to lead more from the heart? Um, One is be radical about getting to know your people, know their history, know their preferences, know what they like, what they don't like. Um, know what's going on with their family and their greatest aspirations and be a part of their story, helping them achieve the success that they want. Um, You have to see the big picture and know how to communicate the big picture. And even if they only have a microcosm role in all of that, connect them to that bigger vision and let them see the importance of who they are and what they do. Uh, learn to see people not as they are, but for what they have the potential to be and help them get what they need and develop them. Almost be a broker of information and relationships and help them succeed. And I guess one of the big ones for me is that means that I want to hire slow and I want to be very sure that that's the right person to bring into my greenhouse. Because if God gives me this to steward, I want to make sure that whoever that person is, is a good fit. And so you hire slow, but you also fire fast. If you get them in and something's not right, you're better to, in a very dignified way, be ruthless in getting those people that don't fit out because that's a little poison that can affect all the rest of the gases in the greenhouse. And the quicker you get it out, the better you can get back to healthy for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I know nobody enjoys releasing anybody, but oftentimes it's something necessary to get done. Um, and I'll just say two more. You want to catch people doing things right and celebrate it and reinforce and model those behaviors. And you remember what matters to others regularly and check in with them about what, what matters most to them. If somebody says, look, I'm going back to get my MBA, 
I'll regularly check back and say, hey, I know that's something you're working on. How's the progress? Or we have a great friend, Emily Land, who went away and she's become an author and she just graduated in January. So I'm celebrating the fact that she's gone off and she's done that. And it it's something you have to be intentional about. I mean, most of us run our calendars and our calendars run us. But if you put it in the calendar, there's the pop-up reminder. Oh, yeah, Emily's graduating this week from um, becoming an author. And so just reach out and say, say how wonderful you think it is that they had a dream and they had lots of barriers and they progressed and they um, pushed themselves and they finally achieved their mountaintop moment. We'll celebrate that with them and encourage them and, until what's the next mountain that they want to achieve. And if I can play a part or help them do it, because that's what people remember is who helped them become who they most celebrate about themselves. We're glad you joined us for this conversation about learning to lead from the heart and truly care about those on your team. For more information about this episode, please check out this episode's show notes on our website, forwardwomen.org slash podcast. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N.org slash podcast. If you're listening somewhere other than our website, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We appreciate any feedback we get and always want to make sure that we're featuring the topics that you're interested in hearing about. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth.